part four of six glorious Galatian gems. Six glorious Galatian gems. And if you'll turn to chapter four of the book of Galatians, please. Chapter four in the book of Galatians. Now, we won't do a recap because every week's been different. Um, but the subtitles that we have used, um, the title of the series was Six Glorious Galatian Gems, but the subtitles we've used, remember there's six uh, verses that we're picking out as a basis out of uh, every chapter of the six chapters in the book of Galatians. And we have done from chapter one, two, three, and now we're into chapter four. Our first subtitle was Do Not Live for the Approval of Others. We cannot allow the gospel, as it were, uh, to come uh, into repute and be weakened or watered down for the sake of what others may think. We must preach the word of God. So we don't go by the approval of others or what the world thinks. We keep preaching Christ and him crucified. And then that was the first Galatian gem we looked at. Of course, there's more to it than that. You can get those all online as well. And then the second one, uh, if you remember... Um, just let me fix these sheets here for a moment. Okay, so the second one was, if I can remember it myself. Okay, here we are. You are not defined by your past. Remember, when you're in Christ, you're not defined by your past. You're a new creature in Christ, so you're not defined by your past. And then, if you remember, we did uh, the third one. Uh, last week, can anybody remember what it was? Now, you're not taking notes, are you? Who was taking notes last week? Jennifer, what was it? My worth is in Christ, not in what others think or say, but according to the word of God, who you are in Christ. That was part three. At least one took their notes. <laughs> and this morning, you are no longer a slave you're a son or you're a daughter. You're no longer a slave, you're a child of God. So let's look at our gem this morning in Galatians 4. And it's in verse 7. Just lift the one verse right, but keep the chapter open, your Bible open at the chapter. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Let's pray. Father, Will you take your word and will you inscribe it in every heart and would you help us this morning to rightly divide your word? Lord, we ask you that you would just bless your people and encourage them. And Lord, may they leave here, Lord, knowing their worth in Christ, but also knowing their grounding in Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are no longer a slave, you're a son. Now, remember the book of Galatians is initially written because of Judaizers or those who were trying to turn these Christians to Jewry or to Judaism. Paul had come with the gospel of saving grace that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. So therein is the battle. And he's saying to them uh, the whole way through it, the law, this is what the law has for you. This is where the law kept many of you who were under that law. But now he says, being under grace and saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, he starts the teaching of it. Then he says, you're not no longer a slave to the law. 
uh, but you are a son or a daughter, if you want. You are a son of God. So we want to look at this word this morning. Look at verse 6, if you will, just for a second. And because ye are sons, so he's speaking to those who are saved, the Galatian church here, because ye are sons, God hath sent forth his Spirit, capital S, Holy Ghost, that is, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of his Son, that is, his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba is Aramaic. And the Aramaic word Abba is your and my uh, English word for Daddy. Notice how the relationship changes. Notice that. Relationship in Christ changes, uh, especially as you grow in Christ as well. You learn that he is not only your heavenly Father whom we reverence and respect, not only is he our God whom we have a godly reverence and fear from, of, but he is our Father, our Daddy who loves us. And growing into that is something that people find difficult. And when you do, you realize that since he is so close to you and you can be so close to him, that'll strengthen your walk, that'll help you in your way, and that will bless you in your everyday walk with the Lord Jesus in your Christian living. So in verse 6, we have the cry, Abba, Father, And then in verse 7, he says, Wherefore, because you can cry, Abba, Father, it means. Look back at what he said in verse 6. We're doing a little bit more study today. Look at what he says in verse 6. You're saved by grace. You belong to Christ. You've been washed in the blood. You have his Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, living in you. And so he causes you to cry, Daddy. You know, no, a man and a woman could, with their lips, say, uh, you know, oh, Jesus Christ is Lord. A man, any man and woman with their lips could flippantly say it. But it really means there's no man can say Jesus Christ is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost, as Paul tells us, they can't say it from the heart. They can't say it with knowledge. They can't say it with relationship, but through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, how weak are we? How frail is the, the man and the woman that we need even the Holy Spirit who lives in us as believers, that we even need him to help us cry unto our God. That's how weak we really are in our own selves. And what does he do? He brings us into a relationship. It's a, if you want, it's a filial relationship. And what I mean by that, it is a relationship that's fitting of a child. This is important. As a child to its father. As a child to its daddy. And that's where the Holy Spirit brings you. And sometimes as we're walking, look, we don't know when we're first saved. We have no idea about what comes next and what we do next and how we walk next and we make all our mistakes. We're always making mistakes. But nevertheless, that relationship is when your children make mistakes, yes, you may chastise them depending on the mistake, but you'll teach them according to that mistake, but they're always your children and you'll always love them. You'll always love them. I don't know about you, but as a father, I love mine, and I always will. Notice, here we find the word servant is the word doulos. Now, we looked at that before, and it talks about doulos can mean a love slave. Where a Hebrew slave who was released from, say, they owed a lot of money, well, they were allowed to serve their time as a slave or a servant. 
And what they did was they served their time, they paid their debt, but it comes to the time where maybe they're going into nothing again. Maybe they're going to go into the beggarly elements that, uh, that, uh, that they found themselves in that debt before and in that trouble before. And they weigh this up. And what they did was they came to their master and they said, you know, are you willing to take me under your roof and to keep me and I'll serve you because I love you? The master says, you're free to go. You're a free man. You're a free woman. Off you go. You've paid your debt. You can go. But if they said, no, I want to serve you for love, well, they, he took him to the, uh, if you want, the courthouse of the town or the village where they lived, where the elders of the tribe would have been. And they took their ear and a great big nail called an awl and they hammered it through their ear and into the doorpost. So then here was the covenant made. The blood was shed. They pull out the nail and there was a mark on the ear lobe. And that uh, slave now becomes a servant where they become a love slave. They're there because they love their master. They serve because they love. And plus it is a better life for them. And everywhere they went, they were free to leave. They were free to go. They could have went to another village or town, even to a country. They were free, completely free. But they had to learn what that freedom was. And as they went in that freedom, what happened was they had a mark in their ear. No one could take them as a servant or a slave or capture them. No other Hebrew could take them in and say, well, I'm bringing you in as mine because they already had a master and that mark showed it. And, you know, and that's what Paul's saying in the spirit. We're saying, Jesus, we serve you because we love you. The all of the nail has been driven, as it were, through the heart. And I serve you because I love thee. That's what the servant was. So when we look at this here, we can see that Paul is saying, you're no more a servant, but the problem was here, he wasn't talking about serving for love, the Lord Jesus. He was saying, you serve the law. You love the law. Some of them were so meticulous in the law, and they loved the law, but it couldn't bring them salvation. They had no, they had no way of, of reaching the kingdom of God. They thought they did if they could keep the law. And anyway, by this time, they were added 613 commandments for their salvation if they could keep it. The Babylonian Talmudism had come in uh, to Judaism. And so Paul is directly against Judaism. And he's against the Judaizers. And he's saying, don't listen to them. Your salvation is in Jesus only. And in him is the forgiveness of your sin. Serve him because you love him. Brother, sister, you know, when we go into the world and there's people who are tempted by the world and the things of the world, when you look at it, what has it got to offer you? Jesus brings you under his roof. He brought me into his banqueting house. And his banner over me is love. I sit at the king's table and I feast at his, on his dainties. He anointeth my head with oil and my cup runneth over. To whom else would we go? For he has the words of eternal life. So you can see here how we serve him because we love him. The world's nothing to offer you. Well, stuff to offer, but it shouldn't be of any value in the offer. I can say the world is no pull in me whatsoever. Christ saved me from it, delivered me out of it, and has kept me thus far in him. 
And I love him. Do you love him this morning? Love him. So we serve him. It's not, it's not out, out of endangered service. It's not forced labor. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ because we love him. Notice Paul says here, you're no longer a servant or a slave to the law. Christ hath set you free. So when we look at this, he says, Wherefore, because the Spirit of God is in you, because you have that filial relationship as a child with a father and a father to a son or daughter, and you're crying, Abba, Daddy, Father, God, you have this relationship. Wherefore, because of that, thou art no more a servant but a son, a daughter. Now, I notice here the word son. We want to look at it for a minute. The word son is the word huias. Huias. And it means a grown-up, matured adult son. A grown-up, matured adult son. Let me show you uh, one or two verses here. Notice of chapter one, 4 and verse 1, and then we'll move somewhere else. Notice, now I say that the heir, now notice the language here, that the heir, as long as he is a child, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. Do you see the difference between verse 1 and verses 6 going into 7? If you're a child, you're no different than a servant. Uh, the, the, the word here for uh, child is the word napios. And it means a baby. I found it strange whenever I was just refreshing myself on this this morning. Um, sitting in my study and I found it strange that the word child see the word son changes we'll look at another word for it in a moment but the word child here napios uh, the Americans call what children were babies were diapers we call them nappies <laughs> you're still in your nappies he says it's the word babies he says and if you're a baby you're a baby, you're still a servant. And let me go a little bit further with this. You're different often from a servant, though he be Lord of all. The idea here is that the servants of the household looked after the children and the babies. For example, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us on to Christ. The word schoolmaster doesn't necessarily mean your head teacher or some of you teachers that are here, you know, you're in a class. It does in a sense, but not necessarily. It gives the idea of one who used to live in the household as a servant and they looked after the children like childminders. And as the children grew, they taught them how to read the scriptures. They brought them to school and they kept them safe. They told them how to walk. And they taught them how to conduct themselves in public. They told them the rights and they told them the wrongs. And Paul took that and he says that the law of God is our schoolmaster, that servant who brings us to Christ. Why? Because they were quite strict, these people. Now you know you've done wrong and you know you've failed and you know you've done this and you should have been there and you should have done that. And this is the way it was to try and instruct them in the proper ways of social living. And Paul says, the law is like that. And it says, you've sinned, you've failed, you've let the Lord down. You've broken this law. You should have done that or the other. 
he says, and you go, oh, I can't get this right. He says, well, here's one who done it all for you and points you to Jesus. Point you to Christ. The same as here where the children or the babies were reared by the servant. So the servant actually had power, if you want, even though the child was an heir. Does that make sense? You could be an heir of a fortune and your mother and father had much money and they had servants and but yet they were given charge over you and they taught you how to grow. And that's what Paul is saying here. He said, even though there's heirs, they haven't learned to grow. They haven't learned to grow. Notice here, whenever he says this in verse 2, but as under tutors, notice, and governors until the time appointed of the father. So until their father says, this one's grown up, then they're given that. Not the responsibility, they have the heirship, but they are given, pardon me, the responsibility there. For example, in verse 3, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. And I see the word elements, it's a, it's a complicated word. Um, let me just give you as simple as explanation as I can. You know when the queen comes to inspect the soldiers and they're all standing on their uniforms? When the whole line of them, she comes along the line of them. One to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. That's one rendering for this word, elements of the world. That we went from one to the next, to the next, to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, until we realize it does us no good. But it also gives the ideas of the beginning of our alphabet, as we would call it, our ABCs. The A's, the B's, and the C's of this world, he says. Those are the elements of the things that we were in bondage to. I could think of the A's and the B's and the C's that I was in bondage to. And the C's, the D's, the E's, the F's, G's, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. Alpha and Omega. <laughs> Couldn't you? Yes. Had you bound in your sin? Yes. Had you bound without Christ? You're in bondage, he says. And the law kept them like that. The world kept them like that. Notice what it says in verse 4. Here's our glorious liberty. <coughs> but when the fullness of time was come. Hallelujah. There came a time. What was that time? God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. He came to keep the law. When was the fullness of time? Ha <laughs> That's prophetic. Do you know that? Do you know when that's spoken of? Daniel chapter 9. 70th week. He comes. Fullness of time. Notice, when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. The word son is huis. God sent forth his full son of maturity, that means. Made of a woman, made under the law. Great subjection of Christ. Notice, why? To redeem them that were under the law. He came to redeem you, brother. 
He came to redeem you, sister. To buy you back from the slave market of sin. To take you from the ABCs and the, the lineup of the worldly elements that had you bound and in bondage. He came to shed his blood and to pay your debt that you couldn't pay. He came to, to take you to say, will you serve me of love and I'll keep you forever in my kingdom, under my table, feasting there with an anointed head, with a spirit. He says, will you do it? We said, Lord, what, what, who else do we go to? Thy hostile words of eternal life. He came to redeem you. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Yes. God wants to not only make you has, and has made you an heir, but he wants you to now realize your potential. Your potential in him. So then we go into, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You know what I'm looking at this morning? And I know there's nobody perfect. I'm not one of us. Not one of us. And I know as according to the flesh, well, sure, we're just a failing dust. But you know what I'm looking at this morning? I'm looking at the heirs of God. I'm looking at the sons and daughters of the king. I'm looking at the adopted, brought in to the family of God. That's who we are. Notice, if you will, go to Hebrews um, for me, please, chapter 1. <coughs> Excuse me. Covered the mic there. I didn't want to deafen you. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 1. And let's just read from verse 1. Just the first couple of verses. God who at sundry times and divers manners, <clears throat> speaking time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Here's the Old Testament he's speaking of. The prophets unto the fathers. Prophets speaking to our fathers. Verse 2, hath in these last days. Now if the last days was then, what days are we living in now? Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir, of all things, by whom also he made the words. What did he do? He appointed the man Christ Jesus. He appointed the man of Galilee who hung and bled and died, who is the eternal word of the Father, clothed in flesh, deity in humanity, son of God and son of man. And the Father hath appointed him, made him an heir. Now, since you are in Christ, brother, sister, since you are saved by grace, you are in Christ. Since the Spirit of God, that he lives in you, and he is in us, and we are in him, and he is the heir of all things, then we are heirs of God through him who loved us and gave himself for us. If you'll go then, to Hebrews chapter 12. And just for a couple of verses, let your eye run down to verse 7. <clears throat> this is speaking of the Lord. For if ye endure chastening, 
God dealeth with you as sons. What son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? So see when the Lord's chasing you, brother. And I know it's not nice. I know sometimes we just don't want it. Sister, when the Lord's chastening you, when he's doing that, understand it's always for your benefit. Verse 8. But if ye be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. You're a legitimate. You're not his. So when God's chastening you, give thanks. <laughs> you thank the Lord for the crook, don't you? When he puts it down and lifts the sheep out of the, uh, those places of danger when we we're engaged. Thank you, Lord, you saved me out of that great shepherd of the sheep. Thank you. But what about when he flips it over to the other end and hits you a crack with it and tells you to get on with it? I don't like that. My God doesn't do that. <laughs> you thank God because he is your father and he does that. He does it for his glory, but he does it for your benefit. Notice in verse 9, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us. Notice, after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now I know chastening for the, for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. And nevertheless afterward it yieldeth peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. See when you're being chastened of the Lord. Let me get a drink. My voice is going a little. <clears throat> See whenever you get uh, a time, a season when you're chastened <clears throat> of God, you realize that this is an exercise you're going through. That actually the Spirit of God is having an exercise. You know, the military go on exercises before they go into battle. Do you know that? They have war games, as they call it. Military exercises to check the strength, to practice that which is going to be in the battlefield. And the Holy Spirit does it for you because he wants you to be ready for the task that lies ahead, prepared for the kingdom age. And what he does, he chastens us when we're wrong. Why? That we would be ready, battle fit. Maybe you're not battle fit. So you start going through a time of chastening. Here's what you do. Lord, this is sore, but I know you're doing it for my benefit. You're doing it for my good. And Lord, you're going to bring a peaceable fruit of righteousness out of me. I just want to thank you, Father, that you've deemed it fit to exercise your spirit in my life. Boy, this went quiet. See, the Holy Spirit, we're a Pentecostal and we'll speak in tongues. Hallelujah. Amen. We're Pentecostal and we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, we do. Absolutely, without a doubt. Absolutely, we do. Or, you know, the Spirit of God has given me such a joy in my heart that, and that's true, absolutely, He does. 
I've never once heard one say, I'm going through such a time and I know I've been wrong and the Lord is chastening me sore. That's a wonderful thing. The Spirit's working on me. <laughs> None of us ask the Lord to do that, shall we? One of the most, can I call it blessed, but dangerous prayers you can pray. The disciples prayed it and they found it out. Lord, increase my faith. Because your faith isn't increased on the mountaintop. Your faith has increased in the valley. And that's where you learn. That's where your faith has increased. Turn with me to 1 John 3. I'm going to round this up. I'll do one more week and hopefully that'll be this series finished. I'll do a few short ones maybe next week. Send that I thought I was going to do that the last week as well. 1 John, please. Chapter 3, verse 1. Notice. Behold, what manner of love. Do you know what that means? Do you know what what the idea of that is? I'm just saying this in passing. Behold, what manner of love. The idea of behold is, now look ye here. Now look ye here. Gives the idea, catch this and don't miss it. Stand still and see. Behold, what manner of love. And the term what manner of love gives the idea of this. What sort of onward, what sort of otherworldly love is this? Otherworldly love. Not unworldly, otherworldly love. And the idea of it is that he's saying, the love that we have from the Father through the Son, the Lord Jesus. It's a love that's out of this world. On your worst day, brother, on your worst day, sister, no matter how weak you feel, no matter how low you get, no matter how troubled you are, the other, or pardon me, the the other worldly love of God. The love that's out of this world that the Father has for you never, ever changes. Never changes. The Lord loves you. Don't be offended when I say this. The Lord loves you. It's not because of you. It's in spite of you. He loves us in spite of us. He chose to love us. It's a lacking love of God. And when he chose to love us in eternity, before there was the sinner on the earth, there was a saviour in heaven. And he loved us. Give him in the fullness of time when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his Son. Isn't that beautiful? Now that word, that, uh, that word means that God not only sent forth his Son, but he sent him all the way to the cross because he loved you. 
Listen to what he says about the Lord Jesus at the banks of the River Jordan. When he's in the river, the voice from heaven comes, says it again in Matthew 17, Transfiguration on the Mount. The voice comes and says, This is my beloved son. This one here is my beloved. Father says, I love him. And again, it's the agapitus ways. The agape love, the love that is called out of the heart according to the preciousness of the object that is loved. The object that was so loved of the Father was his son standing, as it were, up the waist deep, probably in water in the River Jordan. And a voice comes from heaven and he says, this one, he calls the love out of my heart. This is my agapitus. Oh, yes. This is my son. He is the one. He is my fully grown son. Hear him. I'm well pleased in him. So now when he dies for us, goes to the grave, and he rises again and ascends into glory, yes, because we're in him, and he is in us, and his spirit's in us. So when you go to pray, positionally, Guess where you are? You're before the throne of grace. In him. You're in Christ. Christ is in you. Abba. It's a beautiful. It's not word beautiful when you think of it. Abba. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The word sons there is a technon. Mm. It's a different word. The huias is that which has grown up. The technon means we have been birthed of God through an, a, a love that's out of this world. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew not him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Let me just close with this thought. <clears throat> I wrote this down when I was thinking about this. You see, the technon is we've been born, or children, sons. And that bios means uh, there's some are just still in their nappies. It's positional. It doesn't mean say you're always just little, little babies. But there's many having grown up. It's not true. It's people having learned the things of the Spirit, learned how to let the Spirit minister to their life. It becomes ritualized in religion. There's some who are immature in the faith and are offended by everything that comes their way. And that's not, not us. They're held captive by all of these things. Instead of being an overcomer and allowing the spirit to take us on. Then there's the, the technon. They're growing up a little. But the huias is this. What the baby, the born child doesn't realize. You ready? I need you to catch this. This is my final thought. They are actually, uh, if you want, a waste at this age. They haven't grown up into it yet. This is why if you 
your children or maybe you and your parents, your parents have passed on. If they've had anything, they leave it to you in their will. It's not right. Should be anyhow, anyhow. And the thing is, it was always yours. It was theirs, but you were the heir of what they have. And when they pass away, they were leaving it to you. Mightn't have been much, if anything, but nevertheless, that's the will. And so what happens is you're always that son, you're always that daughter. You're, say your father has this guaranteed will here. And when I pass away, it goes to my son or my daughter. That's the, you've always got that blessing there, that inheritance. You've got, you're the heir of that. But when your father dies, you receive the title deeds. You receive the title deeds. Now, here's the thought. The term waste means this. You have title deeds that your father has. And you just haven't learned yet because he's given them to you. You haven't learned to start declaring what they are. And claiming them for your walk with God. That's the wheel. Does that make sense? God has more for you. You're a child of God. He has given it to you in Christ. And the fullness of it will come when he returns. We shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Make sense? Makes sense. So you're not a slave, but you're a child of God. So that's your number four, six glorious Galatian gems. And read Luke 20 when you go home. And when you read that, it shows how People should have taken what they were given and worked with it. Read it when you go home. And see what the Lord tells you out of Luke chapter 20. May God bless you all this morning. Bless his word to all of our hearts.